Well, good morning, Fellowship Fayetteville. Let's stand to our feet. We get to sing songs of praise this morning. Let's be reminded of this good news. God of hope, you call us from the exile of sin with the good news of restoration. You build a highway through the wilderness. You come to us and bring us home. Comfort us with the expectation of your saving power made known to us in Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's our prayer this morning, church. We're gonna sing songs of praise and reflect on that good news. Let's sing together. There is now a hope that lasts beyond our days. For the one that once was buried lives again. Now the tomb is buried empty and the stone is rolled away. Praise the Before you get seated, if you could move to your left, you'll help us accommodate those that are in the back, and, uh, and now you can be seated. So, hey, uh, my name's Clark. Uh, get to, uh, it's a great privilege to serve as one of your pastors here at Fellowship Fayetteville. Hey, thank you all for doing that. I know some of you love your seats, and now you're bitter, but you'll have a time to confess that in a little bit, so... But uh, we just wanted to say welcome to you. Um, if you're new with us, we're excited you've chosen to worship with us today. 
um, a few things to be mindful of um, as we get started. Um, we've got a really cool lunch next week, next Sunday, October 1st, in the FSM room at 1215. It's called Single and Significant. And so if you're a woman um, over 50 or over, um, we'd love to have you be a part of this. And so this is a great way to get connected to community and find your place of how to be connected and serve inside fellowship. And so um, if you fit that category, we'd love to uh, meet you. And so our women's team is working on that. And so um, you can see that on the screen as a way to sign up. We'd love to have you for that, be it if you're single um, by circumstance or by choice. We want you there um, next week at 1215. Um, also, I want to celebrate a partnership that we have. Sean Schwartzman, come on up here. Um, Sean and Anita are part of Potter's House um, here in Fayetteville, and uh, we've partnered with them in a variety of ways over the years um, through friendship and through community partnership as they're a light of the gospel and community here in Fayetteville. And so um, once a year, we try to have them come by and give us an update on what's going on with Potter's House. And we've got a lot of new folks too, Sean. And so you might have to explain a little bit about what Potter's House is as well. Thank you. Thanks so much. Uh, just quick, uh, there is work to be done in our community. Uh, this past week, I sat with a dad who there was a death in the family and they were dealing with, do we pay our rent or do we pay for a funeral? Uh, sat with families that hopelessness is really what they're going through. Sat with a, a gentleman who said, I really want to help somebody in the community. I, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go from here. And I visited our JDC this past week, and we've got some unbelievable people who work there. But I was visiting a student, and he's facing 10, 25 years, and he's a 16-year-old. It's just, there's hard times. But what I would also say is a divine, wonderful love is what's needed in our community. And that's nothing new to this group. We know that's what, exactly who and what Jesus is and what he brings. Uh, if you're not familiar with Potter's House, here's a little bit about us. Our mission is to love Jesus and bring a community together. That's what we think the Lord has called us to do in our community. Love Jesus and do that by bringing a community together. How we see that playing out is bridging socioeconomic and cultural lines through relationships by living life together. We think we're pretty divided, and we want to bring people together in very real relationships that happen over a long period of time. How does that look for us? It looks like a range of programs from six months all the way up to 80 years old. We've got preschool and small groups, adult groups, teenage um, leadership classes, all kinds of ways. We've got thrift stores, all kinds of ways that you can get involved in what we're doing. And, and it's our dream. Our dream is to get all of the community, bring them together, Jesus right at the middle, and watch the magic happen. Last thing, just in way of update, in way of our community, in way of a prayer request, is uh, this property right here. Uh, this was an elementary school, Jefferson Elementary School, that uh, was built in the 30s, uh, closed down about 20 years ago, and we had a donor that recently purchased it for Potter's House. And so this four and a half acres over the next couple years is going to transform into a place that does everything I just described. It's going to expand our programs. It's going to be a place of hope. It's going to be a place of Jesus, and it's going to be awesome to watch this former elementary school become a place in our community that is drawing us together. So more to come on that as it all comes together, but that's, that's kind of what's happening with us and what we see is happening in the community. That's really cool, Sean. We're going to get a chance to pray for them, but we've asked him to read our passage this morning. And so, um, Sean, go ahead and pick it up in Philippians chapter 1. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus 
will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. This is God's word. Would you join me as we pray for Potter's house? Father, thank you for adopting us into your family, uh, making us sons and daughters of the king. Uh, God, I pray on behalf of Potter's house that you would just give them wisdom um, as they navigate hurdles um, uh, with this new community center, the old Jefferson Elementary. God, I pray that you would um, be their great provider as they bring together the resources um, to make this a place of hope and a, a place of community across all socioeconomic lines. Um, God, I pray that you would uh, just bless their staff team with unity, chemistry. God, I pray that you would um, just grant them a sense of peace and direction um, as they continue to be a light in this community. Um, thank you for their efforts to be a light for Jesus um, in Fayetteville and in the greater Northwest Arkansas area. And so it's in his name, the name of Jesus, that we pray and ask these things. Amen. Hey, if you want uh, more information about Potter's House and like to be connected, Sean's actually going to be hanging out in our foyer as you walk out to the Connections booth. Um, he'll be out there to answer any questions you may have. Church, every week we need to remind ourselves of the gospel, the good news that we gather and we celebrate. But before we can celebrate the good news, let's be reminded that we all are sinners. Let's confess together that we need the good news. We need the gospel. And so let's say this together. Heavenly Father, have mercy on us. We have not loved you as you deserve. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We have not obeyed you as we should. Lord, forgive us our sin. We are in need of a Savior. That's true. That's true for us. We need new mercies every day. But the good news for us, church, is that Jesus came and he provided the ultimate mercy once and for all. And those of us that believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, we have hope, we have that gospel, we have that good news. So together, let's stand, church, and let's believe this good news that Jesus died for us, Jesus rose for us, Jesus intercedes for us. In him, we are a new creation. In him, we have forgiveness of sin. In him, we have a savior. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.
puts me in the fire I'll rejoice cause you're there too And I won't be thrown by feelings I hold fast to what is true Cause if the cross brings transformation Then I'll be crucified Less of us, more of you. Would you be magnified in our lives? God, would you reveal yourself more to us through your word that we may rejoice in the good news, this gospel that we get to celebrate, Father, as we proclaim it over our lives, over our world. There's no better news. So, Father, would you be more and more magnified in our lives as we follow you? God, we love you. It's in your son's name. Amen. Church, you can be seated. Well, good morning, fellowship. I wasn't supposed to do that. Sure, right there. Hey, what does Jesus say about uh, childlike faith? That we need to have childlike faith, right? To do what? Man, we got some Bible scholars here. Childlike faith to enter into the kingdom of heaven. So I brought some toys here um, just to illustrate some of the things that I'll be talking about today. I hope it just kind of gives you a visual to remember uh, what we're talking about. The first one is, y'all know what this is? How about this? Y'all know what this is? Ah, there we go. Hula hoop. So I'm going to call this hula hoop theology. And this is what I assume that most people do. Now, I'm greatly encouraged as I look out over everybody here. I see people starting to pull out journals and starting to pull out pens uh, to take notes. Um, And I'm going to make an assumption of what that probably normally looks like, is that you're pulling it out for the teaching, and you're probably drawing a circle around yourself, and you're probably going to go, and, and I hope this is uh, what's happening, you're probably going to go, okay, how does this message apply to me? And how do I need to live this out? And what are some things that I need to change? And if you do that, great. And please keep doing that. But I want to change your perspective a little bit today because we are going through the book of Philippians. And when Paul was writing these letters to the churches, he was not writing to individuals. He was writing to groups of people. And and matter of fact, does anybody know how many letters Paul wrote of our New Testament? Any guesses? So it's either 13 or 14. There's some debate uh, of who is the author of, of one of the books. So let's just go with the low number. Let's say it's 13. Only four of those were written to actually individuals, first and second Timothy, Titus, Philemon. All right, the rest of them were written to churches, groups of people. And, and matter of fact, these probably all started out as house churches. So, so think about if you're part of a community group, that's probably about the size of the group that he's writing to. 
And so Paul is writing this from prison. He's chained. We think he's chained, uh, chained to an actual guard who's guarding him. He hears about the churches. They have correspondence. I wish we had all the letters that were going out. So he hears about these different churches, and they might have questions, or they might have struggles, or those types of things. So he writes letters specifically to those groups, and then he gives it to a trusted messenger. That messenger delivers it to the church and actually reads it in front of them. And so they spend time as a group figuring out, okay, how do we live this out? And so as you're taking notes today, instead of saying like, hey, this is how I'm gonna apply it to my life or this is what's good for me, if you are a part of any small group whatsoever, if you're part of a Bible study, if you're part of a community group, if you're part of accountability group, uh, if you're part of a college group, whatever it may be, if you are a part of a small group, I want you to take notes in how does this apply to us? Or how do we need to live it out? You got it? Little change of perspectives there. And if you're not in a small group, please come talk to us because we love small groups uh, at this church. So let's jump in to live as Christ. Philippians 1, 21 through 23, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Paul's perspective here is absolutely mind-blowing. You ever play cards? What do you do in cards? Kind of get your cards, and you kind of check out your hand, and you're kind of looking to see, do I have good cards? Do I have bad cards? How am I going to play them? Let me give you Paul's perspective. Paul picks up one card and he says, man, if I'm to go on living, it means that I get to continue to be a minister of the gospel. It means that I get to continue to share. It means that I get to continue to interact with these churches, that I get to teach them, that I get to support them, and they are going to go out and spread the gospel. It means that even this guard that I'm chained to is going to hear about the gospel because I'm not going to shut up. I'm just going to keep on sharing. I'm going to keep on sharing. And so if I play this card and I live, more people get to hear about Christ. But then he looks at the other one. And he goes, man, if I play this card, I'm probably going to be killed for being a follower of Christ. And then he does something strange. He has a big grin on his face. And he goes, man, I've got a winning hand. It doesn't matter what I play. Because if I play this card and I die and I pass away or I'm killed for my faith, I get more of Christ. I immediately get to step into his presence for eternity and experience the fullness of Christ. So, man, I have got a winning hand. That is the perspective that Paul sees. It's basically saying this, it's saying like, world, you can do whatever you want to me because somebody's gonna get more of Christ. If you keep me here, I'm not gonna shut up. I'm not gonna stop ministering. More people are gonna hear about Christ. But if you kill me, hey, I win because I get more of Christ. Incredible? Absolutely incredible. Hey, and I tell you, all the time I'm just blown away by, by the people that are here, a part of our body, part of our fellowship. Matter of fact, I, I, I meet new people all the time and hear about just ways that they're living for Christ, and it just blows me away. It makes me go all the time, probably the same question that a lot of y'all have, like, why do I have my job? Because there's absolutely incredible people in this body, and I want you to watch this video uh, of somebody that I've met uh, over the past year. Another story is the time I was teaching with some tikkuna, and I asked uh, we were looking at John chapter 10, and I asked them to, uh, one of the guys, to read the first several verses about Jesus, uh, the Good Shepherd. And he stumbled over it. He couldn't really read it very well. And I said, I'm sorry, forgive me. You know, I asked you for Spanish because I'm speaking Spanish, um, but you showed me your Tacuna Bible, so go ahead and read it from that. They were so proud because their Bible had just been translated. And he said, oh, I can't read that. We, we've never been taught to read Tikkuna. So they had one Bible that they could 
read, courtesy of their government education in Spanish, but it wasn't their heart language. Another Bible that was their heart language, but they'd never been taught to read. So that's the, the case around the world. My name is Ron Bergen. I'm from Portland, Oregon, actually a little east of Portland in Troutdale. I never really heard the gospel in a way that I understood it. Uh, I won't blame anyone but myself for that uh, until I went to college. And I was introduced to some uh, guys from crew who shared the four spiritual laws with me. And I listened, but I didn't respond right then. But about six months later, I was working for the forest service in the mountains near Mount Hood, Oregon. And my sister had given me a booklet to read and I read it and God was calling, and I received Christ as my Savior and got involved with Campus Crusade. Over the last 10 years, one of the deepest needs we've seen is to use the materials that people have. And among most of the indigenous people groups, the only thing they have is the Jesus film and a recorded audio Bible in some cases. So the question was, how can we use the Jesus film in a way that uh, pastors and leaders can disciple people? So we decided to create a curriculum around the 61 stories of the Jesus film. Well, we did that, we printed it, but the next challenge was not everybody can read Spanish. So even though it was fairly simple, it was still hard for a lot of leaders uh, to understand the Spanish. So we created an oral uh, trans uh, laminated card, a plasticized card that they can take along with a tablet that's what uh, Fellowship was able to do, partnering with us uh, with the gift last year, is providing funds to uh, purchase 10 tablet equipment sets to equip those indigenous leaders. And those are all at work right now in Peru. I transitioned to Bridges in June of this year uh, to work here at the University of Arkansas where we have about 1,200 international students. And it, it seemed like a good fit, and it's working out to be a good fit. I'm 71. Uh, and God has still given us strength and energy. Uh, Jeannie went through a cancer journey this year, and she's cancer-free now, and continues to volunteer here in Fayetteville in the women's prison, and with the BLB, Beautiful Lives Boutique, and here at the church leading women's study. And God has still given me strength to be able to travel some and to minister with Bridges, so we plan to continue. Woo, is that not incredible? And just, just put it in perspective, what, what he was a part of, and he's, he's so humble, what he was a part of was taking the Jesus film, and he, and he designed this program by breaking it up into 61 different lessons, taking different scenes, and they used that all across Central and South America to unreach tribes in, in order to not only just present the gospel, but also use it as a tool to see churches planted. And I was meeting with him the other day, and I was just shocked to hear him say, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of retiring from that work, um, but I decided, like, God's not done with me yet. I'm, I'm going to join Bridges and be a part of Bridges at 71 years old. He's going around the University of Arkansas meeting internationals in order to build a relationship. And I was like, that's absolutely incredible. You inspire me to live is Christ. And during that video, he was saying, like, when we were filming it, he says, well, Pope, like, you know, what if I retire next year? I don't want to say, like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm doing this. And I'm like, well, dude, you are 71 and still ministering. You are an inspiration to a lot of people within our body, including me, okay? Anybody who's 71 and up can look at you and go, oh, that young pup doesn't know what he's talking about. Everybody else, you're an inspiration to us, and I thank you. That to live as Christ, as long as God's going to give him strength, he's going to continue him and his wife to minister. And transitioning to that, we also have a very special moment to celebrate this morning, is we have a young couple who's about to begin their career of ministry, and Ben and Abby and Lily, would y'all come on up? And I told you the last time that uh, I was up here about a month ago speaking that we were going to launch out. Uh, nine different people from this body over this next calendar year to go to some of the most difficult countries in the world in order to take the gospel, to make disciples, and to see churches planted among the unreached. And this is a journey that's been um, 
a really, I'm getting emotional. I wasn't planning on that. Uh, very long time in, uh, in coming. Uh, years ago, I met Abby when she joined a very small group that started ministering to internationals and just seeing the nations just grow in her heart over and over again. And one of my favorite things about Abby is every step that she's taken, um, she says, man, I'm absolutely terrified, but I'm just taking a step of faith. And so she was a resident with us. Then she went to Mexico uh, to be trained to be a global uh, worker among unreached people. And that's where she met Ben. And we've fallen in love with Ben. They got married. Obviously, they have this beautiful baby. And uh, they're going to be leaving uh, very soon. And so this is the last time that they'll be with us uh, for at least a couple of years as they go overseas to take the gospel. And so we just want to pray for them. And uh, I just ask that. Use a church body when we're sending somebody off. We do something that a uh, little unorthodox for us. We just ask that you would just raise your hand up uh, to send your prayers this way. But this is also just a, a symbol to show that they are not going the, alone, but this whole church body uh, is behind them. So please just raise your hand and we'll pray. Dear God, I just thank you so much for Ben and Abby and Lily, dear God, and for them to make this sacrifice, dear Lord to live as Christ, dear God. And what they are doing is not gonna be easy, but, but God, it's gonna be so worth it. God, thank you for just allowing them to be a part of our church body, dear Lord, and we, they're gonna continue to be a part of our church body. May we give them the support, the prayers, the care that they need. And God, because of the, what they're doing, may people who've never heard your name be drawn into your family because they hear a clear presentation of your gospel. And it's your name. Amen. Thank you. Woo! Got a little emotional there. I wasn't planning on that. Moving on. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me, you may have the ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Again, if you're thinking about Paul and he's got these two cars and which one he's gonna play, somehow he's convinced that God is gonna keep him around. And the purpose is for your progress and joy in the faith. And I just wanna highlight that because I love that word of just progress. Because I think a lot of people, there's probably a lot of people sitting out there that you're discouraged and you're upset of where you are in your spiritual walk. And I just wanna encourage you I just want to encourage you that where you are today doesn't necessarily define where you're going to be tomorrow. Matter of fact, in a couple of weeks, Clark's going to be speaking on what I think is one of the most difficult verses um, to interpret out of Philippians. And it's the one that says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Is that the one you got? You got that one coming up? Matter of fact, I think it's one of the most difficult ones in all the New Testament, because if you're a follower of Christ, you probably hear that and you say, wait, whoa, wait a second. To work out your salvation, I thought this was a free gift. I thought this was not something that we earn through our works, right? And I don't want to step on Clark's teaching, but this is something that I struggled with, and I think it really goes with this idea of progress that Paul's talking about. And so just a couple of things that I want to point out is, one, it says to work out your salvation. It doesn't say to work for your salvation. Another thing is this, is when we hear the word salvation, most of us automatically kind of just think, oh, well, that means to be saved. And so if you think salvation is basically your ticket to not spend eternity in hell, and that's what you think about with salvation, that is true, but it has a very small view of salvation. If you think that salvation means this complete new life that you have in Christ, where you're being transformed and becoming like him, more and more like Christ, and it affects the way that you live, the way that you talk, the way that you are at work, the way that you are with your family, the way that you live out your purpose, that that is a great broad view of salvation. And, and most of the times when we see it in the New Testament, that's what it's talking about, that part right there. And so we get to have progress to become more and more like Christ in that. And so just a quick illustration, a couple of them. One is, let's say you bought this hill. 
And you're, you're going like, oh, that's my hill. What am I going to do with it? I'm gonna, you think, oh, I'm going to put a house on top of it because then I'll have a great view. So you hire a geologist and you say, hey, could you see if there's water on it? And he comes back and he goes, I got good news. I got bad news. Bad news, there's no water. But two, every time that we were digging, we just kept on finding these jewels and diamonds and gold and silver. And you'd be like, oh. Now, the word work out is actually like a mining term. Now, would you not be now motivated to go and to mine those things out, those treasures out? And so the idea is that when you come to Christ, it's like you inherit this treasure, this new life that he's giving you. But, but we might be trying to have to like work those things out. And some things, if you're a Christian in here, you might have noticed some things are really easy. You like walk up to the hill and you, you hit it with a shovel or a pickaxe and a jewel flies out. And it might be like, man, before you came to Christ, you really struggled with your mouth, your tongue. And you're just like, oh, man, that was easy. I just kind of got rid of that. Wasn't much work. There might be other things that you struggle with over a long period of time, even years. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's lust. And you just really have to dig in there. But God is not gonna call you to do something that he hasn't given you the ability to accomplish through his Holy Spirit. Just to put it another way, and I'm stealing this from Tommy Nelson, uh, the teacher at Denton Bible, down outside of Dallas. He says this, if you look at this ship, it's not going anywhere, right? Why is it not going anywhere? Doesn't have the sails up. And, and so the way he describes this is as, as followers of Christ, we set the sails, but God is the one who provides the wind of the Holy Spirit. And now we're moving. And so we have to maybe do the work to set the sails. And what I mean by that, maybe we have to get up early in the morning and get in the word. Maybe we have to start memorizing scripture. Maybe we have to join a small group, a community group, an accountability group. Maybe we have to learn more about Christ. And we don't know how God's gonna move, but we put ourselves in a position for him to move. And this is how we progress in the gospel. And, and don't get me wrong, it's not, we don't get credit for it. God is the one who's gonna provide the change, but we just have to get ourselves into position for that change to happen. We move on. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side with the faith of the gospel. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. This also could be translated to say, to live as a citizen of. To live as a citizen of. That basically when you become a follower of Christ, it means that we have a new king, a new ruler. He's the one who directs us on how to live and we live accordingly to that. That we totally change the way that we're going and the way that we're, we're, we're living our lives should look completely different than everybody else who's living under a different citizenship. Let me give you an example. Do y'all know what this map illustrates? You're probably looking at it and you're going, Pope, you showed us this map about a month ago. This is the place that people don't know Jesus in red. Yes and no, but that's not what this map illustrates. This map illustrates this. What are the places in the world when you go to somebody's house that you're expected to take your shoes off? And there's other places in the world that you go to that you're expected to keep your shoes on. And I find this kind of stuff fascinating. Matter of fact, I was driving with one of my international friends just the other day. He's from the Middle East, and so he's from one of those places that is just right there in the red, and he just tells me, he just goes, Pope. He goes, I don't understand you Americans. Now, anytime I hear the word you Americans, I actually love it because I'm about to get a cultural lesson. And he goes, Pope, I don't understand you Americans. And I was like, what's up? And he goes, he goes, man, I cannot understand why you would wear your shoes inside your house. 
And then he did something surprising to me because he backed it up with science. You see, he also teaches microbiology at the U of A. And he says what he does with his students, one of the first classes is that he gets these like Petri type dishes that he brings out and he actually has them sign their names on it. He says, we have to sign it because they won't believe it. And we take a sample from the bottom of everybody's shoe. They step and I keep it and I bring it back a week later and I show them everything that's been on that shoe. Now, I don't want to gross y'all out and tell you what it is, but just picture everything that grosses you out, and that's what's on the bottom of your shoe. He tells me that there is bacteria. Every time they do this, there's bacteria that they can't even identify. And so if you move here, and so if you're like Ben and Abby, they're going to move to one of these places. They need to live like those citizens, right? They need to adopt those principles, whether they believe in them or not, they need to go, man, we better do that. Otherwise, they're going to be invited over into people's houses uh, for dinner. And probably the neighbors are probably going to be talking to those people and say, hey, didn't you have the Americans over the other night? Yeah. How did it go? It was disgusting. Why? They didn't take their shoes off. Oh my gosh. They didn't take their shoes off. They're just walking around as a Petri dish all through your house. I know I had to clean for hours after they left. See, when you become a citizen of a new place, you adopt new principles and ways to live. And so when we become citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we better be adopting the new principles that they laid out. And you're probably going, what are they? Well, we're going to get to them in a second. Live as a citizen of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in, any, in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign of them, to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Paul's really talking about, and remember, he's talking to a group here. And he's saying, man, I want to hear that you're striving together. I want to hear that you're striving together. Now, this is the time that I really want you to start thinking in the context of whatever small group that you're in. And I want to get really specific. Like, what does that mean? What does that look like? And the Bible makes it really clear. Now, if you're an avid note taker, you're going to panic at this next slide. Don't worry. You can Google this, all right? This is the 59 one another's in Scripture. And, and what we're supposed to do as a small group, as a community, what we're talking about, and I love that Sean was talking about the potter's house. He, you notice in both of his mission, uh, vision and mission, he's saying, like, community, community. This is how they think life change happens. The 59 one another's, this is how we treat each other if you are a follower of Christ. Now, just notice some of them. The most repeated one is obviously love one another, love one another, love one another, honor one another above yourselves, live in harmony with one another, serve one another in love, love each other deeply, pray for each other, confess your sins to each other, do not slander one another. These all apply to us. I'm gonna give you a pass on one. Greet each other with a holy kiss. Not gonna lie, years ago, we had a student in our cell ministry, a guy's high school group, that he took this literally, and every time he came to cell group, he'd be kissing the guys, and they're like, stop! <laughs> but this is what we do as believers and followers of Christ, that within your community group, we live these things out. And people who are not a part of this citizenship, they look at it from the outside, and they go, I don't have relationships like that. And we become the aroma of Christ to a fallen world. There's an African saying, a proverb. Actually, it's a way of thinking from Africa. And this is much close. This is an Eastern way of thinking. It's much close to where um, Paul would be writing from. It says this, I am because we are. And this has even been stolen by some different political groups trying to change it into their own meaning. 
But what it's saying is, is that the Africans understood the power of community. And they're saying, I am, the person that I am is because of the community that I'm around. And so if somebody looks at you and says, man, I noticed that you're a very loving person, the answer should be like, yeah, because I'm surrounded by loving people. Or hey, I noticed you just seem to be a person of generosity. Well, that's true. Because I'm around generous people. And they sharpen me to be that. You seem to be a very forgiving person. Well, how could I not be when I'm around people that just are forgiving others of great things? So that is one way. The other way is by mission, that we are striving together. Look again what the scripture says. It says, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And I'm gonna really make it simple. What is our role as believers is to get the gospel, get the news out to people who don't believe. And I guarantee you, everybody in here, I asked this question last time I was up, do you know somebody who's not a follower of Christ? If the answer is yes, that is your mission field. That is what we're called to do is to get the good news out. This is a picture of a mission trip that we're on. I'm a huge fan of short-term mission trips, huge fan. And I've been on a lot of them. I've been blessed to be on a lot of them. This is in Belize. This is, I wish they would be able to just, this is like way out in the jungle, like way, way out in the jungle. Uh, and we, we partnered with some villages to help uh, build a church. And, it, and it's pretty amazing. I see the same thing happen Every time we go on a mission trip, you hear stuff by the people who come back. It's always the same thing as like, man, I've never seen the Lord move that way. Or God really showed up. Or I've experienced stuff that I never experienced before. And can I tell you something? After being on mission trip after mission trip after mission trip, what I'm convinced of it's not like God was not in Northwest Arkansas and we had to fly to Belize in order for him to show up. And it's not like God was not working in Northwest Arkansas and we had to fly to Mexico in order for us to experience that. And it's not like God was not doing something in Northwest Arkansas and you had to fly to Peru in order to see that side of God. What I'm convinced of is that you are able to get a group of people together and you say, hey, we are going to really focus on this in the context of a community. And we're gonna get out of our comfort zone and we're gonna, man, we're gonna love one another, we're gonna honor one another, we're gonna encourage one another, we're gonna spur one another on to love and to good deeds. And that's what we do in this community. Sometimes it's people that don't even know each other that are coming together and we're practicing these things in a small group. And then we go out every day and live on mission. And we're going through the village or wherever the place may be in order to share the gospel and to do these things. And we come back and we report about it and we share about it. And we're praying for each other. And somebody's saying, hey, there's so-and-so. I met this person. I think they're really close to understanding the gospel. Let's pray for them. And I think we experience God by that, by living this out. And I think it could happen right here. And I think it could happen in your small group or whatever small community that you're part of. Can I tell you something that breaks my heart is that we're always there and people are convinced of this. And it's almost like you go through a night where you're just arm in arm and you're just like, I love you. I love you. And it's like, man, we're going to go back. We're going to change the campus. We're going to change our school. We're going to change Northwest Arkansas. You in? Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. We're going to do this. And then we get back. Oh, and I hate this. You land in Dallas and Houston. You go through customs. You're looking at the line, and everybody's doing this. And you see how quickly the world starts to pull people away and begin to separate them. And you know what? People always say, like, man, these short-term mission trips, you're just creating something like 
an artificial environment that's not real. When I would say the opposite, this is the environment that Christ wants. That's what's real. And it's the world that pulls us and keeps us from being a part of that. We become more conformed into the image of Christ in the context of community. We support each other in the context of community. We live on mission in the context of community. I think I've shared this story with you before, but I'd love to share it again. This is a picture taken um, of one of the international students that came to the U of A. We did it out at the Buffalo River, right by this, or actually in this beautiful spring. Um, Her name is Mayu, and the reason that I wanted to highlight her story is that anytime we baptize somebody, we, we meet with them first to make sure to hear the story, make sure that they've really given their life to Christ, that they understand the gospel. And what she said was both terrifying and beautiful. Because I ask this question, I say, hey, you know, what was it that kind of, how you, how you came to Christ or what made you decide to follow Christ? And this is what she says. As soon as she got to the University of Arkansas, she was surrounded by a community of believers. And she told me, she says, actually, I wanted to follow Christ very early on but I waited and I watched to see if it was legit. For multiple years, she just was a part of this community and she waited and she watched to see if it was legit. That is both beautiful and both terrifying at the same time. And it's beautiful because what she saw with this community was And she lives in a place in Japan, it's a little more open than other areas, but you don't know what's going to happen when you come to Christ. And we've seen other students, their family disown them. Matter of fact, the last verse in this section talks about we are called not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. So she had an understanding that if I give my life to this, there's a very good chance that I could suffer or be kicked out of my family for this. But she was surrounded by a group of people that modeled it for her. And she says, this is worth me giving my life to. And today she's partnering with another one of our global workers in order to see a a church planted in her area of Tokyo. And it terrifies me to think how many people who've been lost have come and been a part of a community of followers and they looked around and they said, this is not different. This is not me worth giving my life to. And so my encouragement and challenge is for us to become communities where the aroma of Christ is real and tangible and different. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much to God for stories of people like Mayu who believers just came and became real friends with her and she saw something different, dear God, something worth giving her life to. God, I pray that, dear God, that we would become people that live both on support and both on mission, dear Lord, that we would care for each other and love each other in a way that would draw others in, but we would not be silent with the gospel, dear God, and we live on mission together. It's your name we pray, amen.
comes to me will never be never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty Christ and Christ alone is the only one who can satisfy us church let's sing that good news together this morning
searched in so many places for some type of completion, for some type of happiness, lasting joy. But God, it's our testimony this morning. It's in you and you alone that we can find that. So Father, may we cling to that. May we find hope and lasting joy and everlasting peace through the righteousness we receive through your son, Jesus, our new identity, an identity that sticks, that is unwavering in Christ alone. Thank you for that. God, we love you. Church, before we leave this morning, I want us to say this prayer together as a church body. Let's say it together. Our holy and mighty God, you are the light of the world. Empower and equip us through the work of the Holy Spirit to bring your kingdom here. May we, like you, be light into this world and shine like a city on a hill. Let us that be our prayer this week, church. The prayer room's available through the doors on your right. If you'd like to pray with someone, there's communion available in there as well. Have a great week of worship. We'll see you next week.